Side Hustle Show 185. I quit my job eight years ago. Here are eight lessons I've learned since then that you can apply today. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show, where aspiring part-time entrepreneurs learn how to turn their side hustle dreams into reality. Because your nine to five may make you a living, but your five to nine makes you alive. And now your host, Nick Loper. What's up, what's up? Nick Loper here. Welcome to the Side Hustle Show. It's another special Friday edition of the program. I'm flying solo again today to bring you some of the biggest lessons I've learned in eight years as a full-time side hustler. A couple weeks ago, commemorated eight years since I said goodbye to the good old day job, hopefully for good. I turned in the keys to my company car and I set out to build, uh, at that time, my online shoe selling empire. So stick around to hear what happened after that. What I've come to realize is the most important skill of all. Uh, a couple books I think you should read or reread and why the frequently told advice of just start actually has a lot of wisdom to it. This one's going to be pretty short and sweet, but you can find the notes and links for it at sidehustlenation.com slash eight years. Ready? Uh, let's do it. When I left the corporate world in 2008 to take my online side hustle full time, I really thought I knew it all. I had, I mean, I'd beaten the system. I'd gotten out. I'd broken free. And at 25, that was an awesome feeling. But the sad thing is my, my honeymoon period didn't last long. On my first day of self-employment, the Google gods struck me down. And you can hear a little bit more about that story in uh, episode 100 of the Side Hustle Show. So it, it was in an instant, one small change in how they evaluated my site, which was a comparison shopping engine for shoes, for footwear, evaporated 80% of my traffic and revenue. And just like that, it was gone. And so since then, my entrepreneurial journey has been filled with ups and downs, but so far, still found a way to make it work. Here are a few nuggets this reformed know-it-all has picked up along the way. I think you'll like these. Lesson number one, the most important skill is the skill of learning new skills. The work to do, the work I do today it would be unrecognizable to 2008 me. So back then, it was a lot of AdWords management. It was a lot of database maintenance. It was a lot of working with you know, overseas contract developers. Today, it's completely different. Today, it's like podcasting, content marketing is building this awesome nation. And tomorrow, who knows? You know, we don't know what, what the tomorrow is going to bring. But there's one constant throughout all of this stuff, and that's figuring it out as you go. And I know I've linked up Ryan Harris's awesome video on figuring it out, uh, but I'll do that again in the show notes for this episode at sidehustlenation.com slash eight years. I just want to say, like, is change is scary, but we have to embrace it. Like if my education stopped when school stopped, there would be no way like I would be hosting this show today. So everything you need to know is learnable and figuring out those new skills is kind of a fun challenge that I get to participate in every day. And if you're looking at this from the opposite perspective, I've, I've been there as well. Like I used to be almost anti-learning, which is, which is weird because I was a good student in school. I was, I was a valedictorian, but you know, one example that comes to mind is taking Spanish class in high school, which was a college, um, I guess a college admission requirement. I thought that was the dumbest thing in the world. Like everybody, this is, this is teenager Nick, right? Everybody already speaks English. What, what do I need this for? But I ended up taking it for four years. It was one of my absolute favorite classes and have gone on to, you know, work with Spanish speaking people and, you know, travel to a bunch of Spanish speaking countries. It's awesome. I think it really unlocks a part of your brain uh, that you don't use otherwise and learning new side hustle skills is, is the same way. So 
if, if this is something you struggle with, like I sometimes still do, um, try and, try and reframe it like this. I get to learn this today instead of I have to learn how to do this. It kind of sw- hopefully switches the flip from, pr- from obligation to privilege. And, and I think if you approach it from a position of privilege, which it is, you know, learning is a privilege. Um, maybe that will make it a little more appealing to you. So lesson number two is to be you. The projects that I've done that have flopped and there have been, <laughs> there have been plenty were characterized by chasing dollars and trying to remain anonymous as the site owner. I used to have this site called alternative media solutions.com. I think I, I can't remember if I sold the domain or not. It, it was prototypical, like jargon, just nonsense. Stuff. I didn't even know what the company did. It was just ridiculous, but it, I don't think it had my name anywhere on it. And that was kind of characteristic of the sites I was trying to build at this time. Um, where on the other hand, the projects uh, I've done that have done well have my name all, all over them. Like it, People do business with people. It took me a long time to get over myself and start putting myself out there on the big, scary frontier of the internet. But ultimately, that means you know doing work you're proud to sign your name to. We talked a couple years ago about the um, the outsourced writing experiment, where I attempted to hire a ghostwriter to write this book idea that I had. I outlined the entire thing. It was like a 1,200 word outline. It's pretty detailed outline. I was like, "This is going to be a piece of cake." Found my you know quote native English speaker writer on Elance to do this for me. It was totally my mistake to pay her the the full amount or agree to the full amount instead of asking for a sample of you know the first thousand words first because it came back and it was just. Uh, it, it, technically, it was 100% fine, but it was just, she's clearly not a native English speaker, and it's just nothing you could ever, I could never sign my name to. And so, just, you know, being you, putting in the time to do the work, I think has been, um, has been really helpful for me. Imagine it will be for you too. Lesson number three is make it a habit. One book that hit home for me was The Slight Edge. And that's really all about the tiny daily or weekly habits that seemingly have no immediate impact, but have compound returns over the long run. So so I absolutely love like the and we talked about this before the, the location independent nature of my business it's awesome but it really is the consistent execution of some mundane tasks that have really driven it forward. So the habits for you know for your business you know probably look very different from mine but over the years you know it's you know these are varied as well but it could be thing, things like you know your writing habit, writing 500 words, you know, responding to helper reporter queries. If you're trying to get press, you're trying to get backlinks, answering core questions. If you're trying to build up, up an authority there or, or drive traffic through that platform, it could be, you know, writing recommendations on LinkedIn. It could be, you know, cleaning up broken links, which was like a daily task on the, on the shoe business. It could be sending just your, your weekly email newsletter and, and, you know, using that to engage with your, with your audience. If you skip any of these, like it's not going to be the end of the world, but you execute on them consistently, you start to build some positive momentum. And my friend Michał, uh, Michał Stavitsky is a side hustling author in Poland, and he epitomizes the slight edge. He, he was actually, he actually reached out to the author and was even featured in the second edition of the book. And so I'm reading it and I see him in there. And of course, I sent him a note on Facebook and I was like, dude, you're in the book. And he's like, yeah, that came out a couple years ago. I know. Um, but he, he credits habits. Uh, like doing daily push-ups and pull-ups, like drinking two glasses of water as soon as he wakes up to, you know, writing every day to be really significant cr- contributors to his success and to his happiness. Now, Michal has written something like 14 different books in English, his second language, and he says he hasn't gotten sick in years and he attributes kind of the, 
that success and that health to, you know, habit, you know, stacking these habits on top of each other and, and really owning them uh, day in and day out. So you can check me how out at expandbeyondyourself.com. And if that name sounds familiar, he actually wrote a guest post on Side Hustle Nation earlier this year about his latest habit was actually answering questions on Quora. He's now generated over a million views to his answers at that time, had doubled his blog traffic and uh, is helping him sell some books on Amazon as well. So, you know, what's your slight edge habit? What's my slight edge habit? Well, putting out uh, this show each week is definitely uh, definitely one of them. Actually, one of the most interesting points from my recent conversation with Mihao was what I'm going to call the identity habit. I, I asked him, how do you stick with these habits that are sometimes, you know, time consuming and sometimes like, you know, it's a daily uh, burden or daily uh, effort to get them done. And he explained the most effective way of forming new habits for him, at least, was to simply convince himself he's the type of person that does X, Y, Z, whatever the habit is. That's the identity habit. I'm the type of person who prioritizes my health. I'm the type of person that meditates. I'm the type of person that whatever, like it's, it's a subtle thing. But in his case, that that's what seemed to to flip the switch. It kind of reminded me of an example in the book Made to Stick, uh, where they talk about like the littering epidemic that was going on in Texas. And so they came up with the "Don't mess with Texas" slogan, and they had like Dallas Cowboys and other like very Texas figures come on and say, uh, basically to form that identity habit, like, look, real Texans don't litter. And you know, over the course of this campaign, it became uh, an identity, and they reduced litter by seventy percent or something. And so it's a very interesting thing for, uh, you know, for side hustlers, for entrepreneurs, like identity first, and then perhaps habit second. So I'm the, I'm the type of person who hustles. It's part of my identity. I'm the person who takes control of what I can control. Did you know that roughly half of Side Hustle Nation hasn't started their side hustle yet? If that's you, I get it. Starting and building a business is tough. It takes more than just an idea. There are tons of moving parts, and it's a bit like trying to assemble your airplane in the middle of takeoff. Thankfully, our sponsor, Taylor Brands, is helping Side Hustle Show listeners make that leap and make it all a lot easier. Their comprehensive platform guides you through every step, making sure you have everything you need all in one place. Think of it like your behind-the-scenes partner for things like LLC formation, licenses and permits, getting an EIN, setting up your business bank account, bookkeeping and invoicing, insurance, logos, trademark protection, and a lot more. Taylor Brands helps you handle it all seamlessly. And to get you started, Side Hustle Show listeners get 35% off Taylor Brands LLC formation plans when you use our link. That's taylorbrands.com slash side hustle. Taylor Brands, like a tailor for your clothes, T-A-I-L-O-R-B-R-A. ANDS.com slash side hustle. Start your business journey today with the help of Taylor Brands. When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search and hit the ground running with your new hire. But what if you could get rid of the search part and just get matched with qualified candidates? Well, now you can with our sponsor, Indeed. It's simple. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. The matching and hiring platform is trusted by over 3.5 million businesses worldwide to connect with great talent faster, and 93% of employers agree that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. For my next hire, I'm using Indeed to tap into a talent pool of 350 million unique monthly visitors, and what else is cool is Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use it, the better it gets. 
And how about this? Side Hustle Show listeners get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Just go to Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Side Hustle Show. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Lesson number four is hire help. I actually think I was lucky because my painting business in college required hiring help. Like it just didn't make sense for one person to try and paint a whole house for themselves. So that kind of planted the seed. But early, you know, in the early days of my online business, I tried to do everything myself. And I I had my, my reasons, which, you know, (laughs) reasons are usually parentheses excuses. Um, you, no one else is going to do it as well as I can. Somebody's going to steal my business idea. I don't have time to train anyone. I can't afford this and on and on and on. So once I got over that, which took, it took some time, I really found hiring help to be a, a force multiplier. Like it frees up your time and your mental energy. At the same time, hey, your work is still getting done because somebody else is doing it for you. Like I said before, you can certainly take the time to learn whatever skill needs learning. Like everything is learnable, but sometimes it just makes sense to, to hire somebody who's already a pro. So for example, once I had validated the idea for my shoe business, I ended up hiring a developer to help build it. And I probably, I probably could have figured it out on my own, but like how long would that have taken? What could I have done with that time instead? And at that time I was working my day job. Next, I hired a virtual assistant to help with the day-to-day maintenance of that site. And there was a, there was a ramp up period. And there was a period of like me having to document my processes for the first time. But after that, like it, it became a lot easier. So it was t- kind of taking that one step back, that one pause to take two steps forward. And it's been the same with subsequent hires. It's just, it's very, very freeing when you find good help. And it's just a, a huge burden off your shoulders. It feels, it feels amazing. Now today I use uh, actually a few different virtual assistant companies and have a couple of special assistants as well. For example, you guys know Carrie from, from podcast fasttrack.com. He was on the show earlier this, uh, earlier this summer. Now he and his team have been editing the side hustle show interviews this year. So that's an example of kind of like a specialized assistant help, but hire. So that's, that's point number four. Hire help as soon as it makes sense. And if you remember reading uh, the e-myth, you know, if you still have to do a hundred percent of the work in your business, you don't have a business. You have a job and. If you're anything like me, you're probably the the worst your own your own worst boss. Lesson number five is it's not life threatening. Sometimes business sucks. Sometimes side hustling sucks. The pressure to write your own paycheck every month is is really stressful. Like websites break, technology doesn't work how it's supposed to. Contractors flake on you, and when these would when these disasters would strike, they would consume my life. Like I wouldn't eat, I wouldn't sleep until they were resolved. And if you ask Bryn, I'm sure I was a real joy to be around during these times. But you know what? I lived through it each time. Like I came out of the other end. A bad business break isn't life threatening. And when they happen, like I've found it helpful in <laughs> older and wiser to like zoom out and really take that big picture perspective. So just as some painful examples, like I've lost, you know, five grand on websites that never performed like I thought they would. Like I've lost $10,000 on development contracts that went south and never produced a finished product. I've lost $100,000 on just some poor real estate decisions. And it's like, okay, deep breath. Yes, it sucks. It's horrible. But 
it's temporary. Nobody, nobody bats a thousand and you, and you live through and you live to, to hustle another day. Lesson number six is to be genuinely helpful. And the reason I say this is if your business relies on some arbitrage play or some advantageous gaming of an algorithm, I think you're going to be hard pressed to be around in five years. So I was at an affiliate summit conference in New York. This is probably 2009, 2010. And a, a wise man, um, we can, we can name him by name. It was Jim Kukrell from authormarketingclub.com. He, he told me, look, people only use the internet for two things. Number one, to be entertained. Number two, to solve a problem. And for, for whatever reason, that advice has really stuck with me. In being entertaining is a very tough task. Like ask, ask a starving artist, right? But you can help solve people's problems. And it's like aiming to be helpful first and trusting that the dollars will follow. And I think that's what's happened and what's happening with this show and with Side Hustle Nation. Like when I started, I knew I had some experience in building businesses part-time. Like that was, you know, what I've been doing for the last several years. And I felt like I could add to the discussion that was going on, but didn't really know what shape that would take or how it would make money. And there are, there are definitely some things I could have done to monetize more aggressively early on, but the focus on being helpful first, I think people recognize that and people appreciated that. And as a business, the side hustle site is, you know, I think it's going to do just fine this year. And hopefully it's positioned for, for, for growth and, and to, to turn into a, a long-term thing. Cause I can see myself doing this for a long time because it's, uh, it's just a ton of fun. Lesson number seven is you are your network. In my first few years as an entrepreneur, I was totally an island. Like I was heads down working on my business and could barely be bothered to go to an event, to meet other people, to, to really do anything. And when I, when I did go to a conference, like, like the affiliate summit, it was just like this awkward, like painful experience for my introverted self. Like I would walk, I'm the person who walks into a room full of people and just not make out any faces like immediately i don't know like this anxiety and i just see a room full of people I'm like oh god what do i do so it actually took a little bit of a history lesson to see what i was missing a personal history lesson like in, in looking back and seeing hey practically every job i've ever had and even the current business i was running the shoe business was a direct or indirect result of a personal connection as as an example before i had side hustle nation i had the original side hustle which was the shoe business shoe sniper.com if if that site is still live i i don't own it so i can't vouch for what's on that domain now but before i had that business i had an internship with an online footwear retailer in seattle but before I got that internship, I interviewed for the job. And the guy who interviewed me was an alumni of the same business fraternity I was in. And before I got that interview, my roommate told me about the job posting in the school paper. And before that, and before that, you kind of peel back the layers. You think, okay, who do I know? Who haven't I talked to in a while? You know, I wonder what they're up to. How can I make this connection? So the more people you know, you know, the more people who know you, who like you, who trust you, the more naturally, the more doors are going to open. So when it was when I put a conscious effort toward building and nurturing those personal and bu- personal and business relationships. That's when, you know, business started to take off. And, and on top of that, like my, my happiness increased as well. Cause it's like, Hey, you know, we like, we like talking to people, even, even introverts like talking to people and, and building these connections, especially when you can, uh, you can point somebody in the right direction or introduce them to somebody else and help it. It's like a very, it's a very satisfying thing, a very rewarding thing. Now each person you meet and, and we're talking, you know, in real life or in, in online, in the online world, it has a multiplying effect. It's not like you're just meeting them, but really their entire network of connections as well. And maybe 
in, in, in a self-interested sounding way, it's like, okay, I'm, I'm meeting this person, but like, oh, they probably already know 300 people. And it's, and it's a mutually, bene- and it's like a mutually beneficial thing. It goes, goes both ways because you're kind of scanning your mental role decks for somebody they should know or somebody else who, who could help them. And it's really kind of a cool, uh, meeting of the minds. And you, you probably know a handful of people in your life who are like the true connectors, like the true hubs. These are the people with like a thousand Facebook friends. And I used to think there's no way you know that many people, but it, it happens and it happens as a result of a conscious effort. These are the, the John Corcoran's of the world, the Jared Easley's of the world who make a, a concerted effort to being a human connector. And, and of course, great networks aren't built overnight, but they are built over many, many nights and mornings and afternoons, one connection at a time, one conversation at a time. And lesson number eight is opportunities and ideas emerge once you're in motion. So I tend to hear two extremes when it comes to starting a business. Person number one says, hey, I'm still looking for the right business idea. I don't know where to start. Person number two says, I have too many business ideas. I need to pick one and focus. And over the last eight years, I have actually been on both sides of this spectrum at, at various points. But as as time has gone by, as the years have added up, I'm decidedly on the too many business ideas side. And the reason I believe for this is that action breeds action. Now, one of my, an example is one of my worst side hustle projects ever actually gave inspiration to one of my best projects ever. It was when I was doing the research for this crappy site I was trying to build. It was in the wine niche. I, I came across another site that I thought, wow, they're, they're really onto something here. Like, this is a really cool concept. Maybe I can apply this to another vertical, rip, pivot, and jam, lifestyle, business, podcast style. And, and it worked. And so it's like once you're in motion, all of a sudden, new ideas and opportunities become visible. It's kind of, and I'll credit uh, Ryan uh, Finley from recraigslist.com, you know, who kind of shared that on uh, the podcast. It's like a really, it's like a, just a really strange phenomenon. Maybe the, maybe the best explanation for it is uh, my friend Julie's explanation or, or analogy. You remember Julie Sharanosher, um, we're talking about time hacking or different productivity tips on the, on the show last year. She kind of explained it that, that starting a business is like a game of chess in that your first move doesn't really matter. All you're trying to do is put your pawn out into the world and see what kind of reaction it gets. Sometimes it's not going to get any reaction and that's okay. Sometimes it's going to get, you don't get trampled on and that's okay. But it's like, until you make that move, you don't know. So I promised you a quick episode. So those are my uh, eight tips for you. To recap, that was number one. The most important skill is the skill of learning new skills. Number two, be you. Number three, make it a habit. Credit to the slight edge and me how on that one. Number four, hire help. Number five, it's not life-threatening. Life goes on even when it sucks. It's probably not going to kill you. Number six, be genuinely helpful. Uh, aim to solve a problem. Number seven, you are your network. So make a conscious effort um, on that front. And number eight, opportunities and ideas emerge once you're in motion. Let me know what you think. Uh, SideHustleNation.com slash eight years. What do you think of these lessons? you have any lessons uh, that have really stood out to you uh, on your own side hustle journey? Definitely chime in in the comments. Let me know. SideHustleNation.com slash eight years. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time, let's go out there, make something happen, and I'll catch you in the next edition of the Side Hustle Show. Hustle on. Thanks for listening to the Side Hustle Show at www.sidehustlenation.com.